Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hanfler and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of Monday Night Raw. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review Raw and SmackDown, but also NXT, AW Dynamite, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlin Sidgwick to review Monday Night Raw. Oh, here we are again anyway. Um, got a five-star review review to come. Stick with us for that. Um, Hamlet, interesting conversation in the What Culture office and online today, obviously about that atrocious main event segment. But we were just talking about this, the three of us, before we started recording and saying, eh, it wasn't that bad. Is it just a case of, I mean, it was that bad, obviously. But is it just a case now of becoming almost desensitised to how atrocious Monday Night Raw is? 100%. It's um, it's par for the course. Uh, if you are, not to like, obviously cast aspersions to anybody listening to this, but I think if you're really angry, particularly at the end segment of this episode of Raw, there's lots to hate about this week's Raw, but we're, you know, we're focusing mainly on this island segment here. If you're typically angry about it, you're, you're wasting your rage. You're wasting any emotion because none has been applied in the creation of this segment. It's so emotionless from the point at which the idea is born to then when it's executed on television that you shouldn't, you're donating your time and often you're donating your money to this weird experience. So don't then donate any further emotions than that. I don't think this is that different to other stuff we've seen on Raw in 2021 or the bulk of 2020. Mm. Um, I don't know if when crowds come back, so in our little podcast preamble there, we were just having a named Bobby Sisters, This Is Your Life, Bailey, and the old day as like pretty much universally agreed upon worst segments of the year in those respective years for Monday Night Raw in front of live audiences that, despite being incredibly tolerant, could not tolerate that. Booing out the building, just disgusted with what they paid for a ticket for. Like, if this becomes the norm when live crowds are back, there is no hope. There's barely fleeting hope as there is, but there is no hope. They can't they can't produce television this bad in front of live crowd. I don't think, but I feel like they're going to test that. I feel hmm. like the more Nick Khan says, they're going to give it a bloody good go. Um, that's what's to be afraid of. I, I just, I, I find it impossible to feel rage for this when it's basically... It's comparable to what we review every week on this podcast, every single week. 
I mean, who cares and who is this podcast for anymore? I think I know who it's for. It's for people who don't want to watch the show, delight in the fact that it's bad and enjoy us ripping the piss out of it. It's just constantly bad. And I, and it's not going to change. What's happened is that the complexion of the modern WWE fan has completely changed drastically. Back in the 2000s, they cared. You go back and watch what was considered absolutely rubbish, and we've done quite a bit of it on these five-star review reviews, and the fans have gone ballistic at times for this rubbish. That just people who had good taste knew it to be rubbish, and it just defied the audience reaction. And then there was a sense in the early t- 2010s where they weren't happy, and they decided, oh, hang on, we've got a glimpse of something better that could embody potential change in CM Punk and Daniel Bryan. And if we don't get this delivered to us, we have the heart to protest. It just isn't there anymore. There are an implausible amount of people who still watch this in order to assure that it gets to number one on the cable rankings. And they are set. They don't even like wrestling. I saw a YouTube comment underneath the good show Smackdown, a highlight quote-unquote, from that, where Bailey laughs like she's in The Wizard of Oz, and it's the most cringe-inducing, supernatural thing. And yeah. there is someone going, cool effect, I'm going to miss this kind of stuff when fans come back. <laughs> oh Are you God. joking me? Like, oh, you're absolutely joking. Like, the idea that the fans who make noise and create atmosphere and determine who's a hot act and who isn't are just an inconvenience to this incredible supernatural hokum they can do. There are 1.8 million idiots who aren't wrestling fans, but judging from social media, seem to enjoy the fact that a billionaire monopoly is winning whatever amounts to a war. And they just enjoy the fact that, oh, I've got more viewers than you. It's just the Shelbyville era. Mm. And... I don't know who this is for. We're going to take the piss out of it, but I can't find the jokes. I can't find the emotion to care. Who cares? Uh, the thing is, I woke up this morning. I'll get, I'll get into something in a second, actually. I spoke to Andy before we recorded the news, and he asked me, not in exactly this tone, but was that the worst Raw segment ever? And I went, no, 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 not really. Like, it wasn't Katie Vick, was it? And it wasn't like you say that the other stuff that we've seen, fans actually genuinely go, this is all, like, they're shouting it, you know, and the, the, react, the performers aren't even reacting to it. I genuinely went, oh, at least you didn't get possessed. Like, that's the that's where we are right now. Um, and and speaking of something you said there, uh, Sige, and I hope I'm not revealing too much here, but me and Hamper had a conversation a while back where he said, he he stops going on. He stopped going on Twitter uh, in the morning before work, or like before he gets up and does stuff, because it genuinely just brings out this anger in him. Whether whether it be wrestling related, politics, whatever you want to like, and, and I sense Sid has the same feeling. Like today, I was like, "Well, that was dreadful." Like my my process now is suffer through Raw and then go right. Let's go on Twitter a to see what you two have both said about it, and b for the memes because they're coming. Like, what have we got today? But I stupidly went, oh, let's have a look on the raw hashtag. And honestly, I almost threw my phone across the room, right? Because I saw people going, can't wait to see where this goes with Shana and Alexa. Can you? Really? Can't wait. Can't. I can't wait for like two weeks time when that's three weeks after I've had my injection. And I feel a lot more confident about going out. I can't wait for that. 
I can't wait for, you know, August when I get my second dose. And in theory, I feel I can't wait for that. I can't wait for all these restrictions and everywhere in the world to be, you know, gone of this dreadful virus that has, you know, tortured us for a year and a half. Can't wait for what's next for the former MMA fighter, a person who has fought Chris Cyborg and Amanda Nunes, two of the greatest female fighters of all time. Can't wait to see what happens next with her doll interactions. I genuinely saw someone, Sige, and I was going to send this to you, and I went, you know what? He's probably having a you know mad enough time as it is with children, etc. And Tuesday, saw someone going. If you look closely, and uh, the Lily doll has five teeth in this photo, but six teeth in this photo. Uh, maybe there's something there. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not going to swear because that's making work for myself. But I was like, off. Get out of my life. And I mean, I've brought you into my life, so I apologize. But honestly, Sige, I almost exploded when I saw that. I'm going to try and find it now. Just from the overground, these subterraneans have heard these concepts of detailed storytelling and, you know, character work, and they've been conditioned by this company that absolutely does not produce them. That That's what's important, and everything else is indie rubbish. So they will, they will grasp to these little absolute nonsense details to try and validate their own existence. Can we just get on with the show? Like, it's uh, just get on with the show and get this over with. Yeah, I'm gonna, uh, whilst you're talking, I'm gonna try and find this tweet. On, on Wilborn's note about the raw hashtag, by the way, I had a look at that this morning. Top two tweets, it's now top three. I'll be honest, I've just checked, but the top two tweets when I last checked were Jeff Hardy celebrating a win because he remains an actual star that they've done nothing with for like two years. <laughs> and, and on this day, 22 years ago, Vince McMahon revealing that he was the greater power. Not anything to do with present day storylines. That one has now been trumped, knocked into second place by Liv Morgan's new publicity shots. <laughs> because because Twitter, I guess, she's nothing to do with Raw. Um, but yeah, like that's what that's what we're dealing with. There is no engagement in this version of the show. Um, there'll be more in this podcast. Uh, we'll be back at the top of that. It's fine because we can actually talk about the wrestling matches and storylines now. So that's good. <laughs> and the thing is, like I said on the news to Andy this morning, I wasn't like, oh no, they were just about to have a really good roar and then the bloody doll shit ruined it. Like, it's it wasn't that. It was, I mean, we're not going to review it, so I'll just say now, whatever that was with Jackson Riker and Elias, he's had a haircut. And who am I cheering for with Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley? How many times am I going to say this? You're both awful. I love Rhea Ripley. Charlotte Flair is one of the most talented female performers WWE's ever had. I could not care less about that match. Can we just get on with the show? Yeah, sorry. Sorry, I'm so sorry. I said I wasn't going to rant, and then I've done it. They got me again, Sid. Right, okay. Oh, I've got to apologise. I've got to start immediately with an apology, right? It opened with the Tag Team Battle Royal. All the teams, all the teams except RK Bro are in the ring, right? And um, RK Bro come out and they've got that new T-shirt with a snake riding a scooter or something. And then AJ Styles and Big George come out. And I watched this and then I sat down this morning and I went, I really can't be bothered to make make notes on what he said because he didn't really say anything, did he? He sort of put the teams over but sort of negging him, going like, oh, you're Viking ready, you're big. Almost, you're bigger. Like, oh, look at you, Lindsay Dorado, wrestling all on your own to explain away why Grand Metal League's not here, he's injured. 
I didn't write any of the notes. I, I'm sorry. I, I don't know what he was saying before this match started. I've written it down. But regardless, New Day couldn't care less. Neither did all. And they just don't want to hear anymore. Riddle talked about wearing two shirts because Randy wouldn't wear one. Orton made him shut up and put the... the they're doing in key stuff with this. He put it in his boot. Where's he going to put it later? I'll tell you where I hope he puts it. Anyway, so Miz and Morrison interrupt. Miz is in a comedy wheelchair now, complete with uh, horn and John Morrison's drip stick in a little side holder. I'll tell you what, I'll admit Ooh. this. I laughed a little bit and then hated myself for laughing when they did the slow-mo and Miz went, down the ramp. Oh, Will Paul, man, have some self-respect. No, because I laughed at them thinking, this is good comedy. I didn't laugh at like, I just thought like, I can imagine that being written down of like, you know what's funny? Someone falling over. Do you know what's even funnier? Someone falling over in slow motion. That happened. Morrison made his entrance and then Orton and Riddle just RKO'd half the field before the match even started and we went to a break. Before we even get to the match, Sid, your thoughts on this opening to Monday Night Raw? Just astonishing how they managed to do their thing. Like, oh, it's going to start with the match. All right, okay. And then, oh, hang on. No, no, it's a promo. Oh, it's an actual promo train. They welded a promo train onto the start of a match. Like, just impressive. Impressive how they just continue to do this. What this was, was a group of 40 writers thinking, oh, Christ, how do we fill this? How do we fill the time on the show? And what AJ Styles did, was he filibustered? Yes. He's a filibuster yes. promo. It's like, you just get on with the match. Get on with the match. And then add 10 unnecessary minutes onto it that I can skip through. Like this is, again, this, this offends me more than some dull stuff. It generally does. Like a complete and utter waste of my time. 40 writers, not one idea. And then that do have an idea and it's rip off horror movies, but this was just naked filibuster because they can't write a show. It was genuinely remarkable to watch. And as well, like not that anything in particular was happening. I loved listening to you try and recap that, Wilbur, because like I knew there were words coming out of your mouth, but none of them formed one sort of logical sentence or any kind of like fitting description of what we were watching. This was like, this was a very specific kind of WWE promo train where they're all like, they're all doing stuff, but only in the way where if you sped it up and put yakety sacks on, it would look like one of those old Benny Hill skits, despite 40 writers and a show that gets multi-millions from networks to run. That's all it would look like because ultimately the content of it was meaningless, like absolutely meaningless drivel. And they are, I think that they know that they can get away with a lot of this stuff from Riddle and Orton. Um, but Last week was the week for me. Like, I don't, I don't want... It goes against my nature to enjoy RK, bro. For, like, various different reasons, but Randy Orton and Riddle. Um, and yet it was happening because I like pro wrestling. And I thought some, I thought some like, broadly good pro wrestling was happening in front of me in the form of this, this pair. And they're now allowing me to start earnestly disliking it instead. The key stuff. The gags they think are cute with Matt Riddle wearing two shirts. Like... I like to think that they're giving me an excuse. But like, I can go back to just like hating these two and never wanting to see them on television. Like the cute gags will work for some and they'll be there for some and they'll push this chemistry. But 
yeah, like this is helping me like reconcile some very difficult feelings I was dealing with a few weeks ago about enjoying this act because I'm not enjoying it half as much anymore. So thank you, WWE. Here's me hashtag standing up for WWE all these years after they asked me to because you've made me hate the thing I felt guilty about liking. So cheers. So the Battle Royal was actually all right, I suppose. That's a ringing endorsement I can give Monday Night Raw. Hey, this wasn't terrible. Um, John Morrison eliminated uh, Lindsay Dorado quite early on. Uh, hang on, sorry. Mace and Kuba uh, then eliminated Morrison after he tried to defend himself with the drip stick. Oh, Christ. <laughs> Riddle, I can't believe I'm saying dripstick. Riddle saved Orton, uh, so he got taken out by a double choke slam by a Mace and Tiber. And then they went, oh, here we go, here's the big money match. Mace and Tiber. Up against the team that people actually like, the big men, the Viking Raiders. Uh, they had a big stare down. New Day and Orton get involved. Tiber gets eliminated by like half the field to protect him. Mace gets eliminated by the other half, basically. Riddle tries fighting both of the Viking Raiders. They take him down and he gets knocked out uh, of the ring after a flying knee from Xavier Woods. Then Woods gets taken out by Eric of the Viking Raiders. Eric's picked up Ivar to slam him on top of Orton, but Kingston jumps off the top and hits him with a foot stomp. Riddle gets back in the ring, gets hit with a trouble in paradise. And then Orton gets rid of Kingston before the Viking Raiders get rid of him. They are the number one contenders. And we called this yesterday, didn't we, Hamlet? Yeah, pretty much. Um, this was the highlight of the show, I think. Faintest praise imaginable, I know. Um, there's one story on Raw. Well, I guess two, if Drew McIntyre is a boring bitch, counts as a story. But um, yeah, the New Day in RK-Bro is a story. From the origins of RK-Bro through to Randy Orton not being able to not be himself and attacking them, they've actually told a story. And as we said in the podcast yesterday... It was all was destined to be woven into this match. And looking at the rest of the field, the Viking Raiders were a smart choice to be the beneficiaries of it. There's no story there. Like, it's good booking to have the Viking Raiders become their own contenders. No story has been told. They wrestled identical matches, the first two rows after WrestleMania, disappeared completely, prepped Mansoor for the road, brother, and are now the number one contenders. There has been absolutely no story told there. But the one on this show that was any good featured well here i thought it was the glue that held this battle royal and this wretched tag division together and i don't mind the new day versus rk bro as a relatively like i don't want to say well booked, functionally booked match for the pay-per-view it's one of the reasons i had no thoughts on the match it was a battle royal um but you know what's halfway impressive and I don't even know if it was on purpose. And it likely wasn't because Riddle's character at the time was tries to hang out with everyone who thinks he's a knob. <laughs> he actually hung out with the New Day. Mm. Tentative friendship. The absolute faintest glimpse of an interior life with a real set of human beings. Obviously, Riddle doesn't count in that regard, but you know. <laughs> fiction. Um, on to the next thing. Well done. Oh, God. Charlotte Flair's backstage. She's gone. I wish you could see our faces as I say that. She's moaning to Postman Pierce and Sonia Deville. She wants her loss to Nikki Cross, beat the clock bollocks from last week, stricken from the record. They say no. She says, 
you must not understand because you haven't had the career I have had. Uh, she wants a rematch against Cross. Rhea Ripley goes, what are you like, Charlotte? Yeah, maybe I lost to Nikki Cross as well. But I respect her. Oh, all right. Maybe I wasn't keeping an eye on the clock. Beat the clock challenge, love. Come on. Uh, she deserved the rematch. That's why she deserved the rematch instead. Uh, and DeVille went, you know what? Why don't you two tag team together to take on Nikki Cross and a partner of her choosing? Oh, goody, Sige. Just when you think it can't get any worse, they weld. Not only the worst trope of all time next to it, but uh, I, I, I can't form words. I can't form <laughs> sentences. Please. It's just so, it's just not worthy of analysis. It's so objectively, profoundly bad. Everything's wrong with it. They did this trope twice to total ridicule ahead of WrestleMania. They are doing it again because they are creatively bankrupt. And the framework on which they try to tell stories is fundamentally broken because who cares if they lost a match apiece to Nikki Cross, they're still having a match at the pay-per-view. That's already established as happening, I think. Mm -hmm. So who cares if they lost to Nikki Cross? What difference does it make? Professional pride. Can you maybe give them a little bit of like praise that are oh, they thinking about these characters and these characters who've got these legacies and one's threatening the legacy of the other as her equal. They care about professional pride. Who, who cares? Maybe the idea is you don't have to book two dramatically unlikable heels in the same program. Maybe that's the way. Help us out. I don't care. Uh, like Shayna Baszler's feeding with a doll in the main event, and this is the worst story in WWE. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I'm completely sidric, running out of ways to articulate my disdain for this. Like, this show is the living dead at this point. We might as well give this podcast over to three zombies. The ECW zombie can take the Wellborn role, and then we'll take two from WrestleMania Backlash to be the Dadleys. So, like, the ECW zombie goes, Ugh! and then because the Backlash ones know when to take the turn and know how to follow the rules, can just reply with a afterwards <laughs> and just debate it that way because there are no words left for this nonsense. I thought the um, the idea that we could dread the prospect of like your NXT favourites getting a call up was long gone because I'm an advocate for a draft at this point. NXT feels a bit drab and it needs needs an injection of people from the main roster. It's still alive and well because like pick five of your favorites now on NXT. And if you're a little bit bored with what they're doing, it's better than what's happening to Rhea Ripley. So it turns out that old adage is still the case. And maybe, maybe I don't want Johnny Gargano to leave after all. Yeah. No, no, I'll take that back. I do, I do. Please get a shot. <laughs> But like, you know, it's this is like this Rhea Ripley run in particular is a reminder that it can, like I, I think I joked on the preview last week or something like just I just want the days where she's being sick on Robert Stone's shoes again. <laughs> yeah. Not seeing days. Uh, right. We move away from Monday Night Raw now to uh, cut to a scene in a local Floridian butchers. Um, and he's sat there going, look, love, we, I think we're going to have to close down. I think I think it's going to be it. You know, Jeff's goo shop round the corner is doing a roaring trade, but and the you know the the tomato shop. Sorry, my brain. <laughs> tomato <laughs> shop. You there's no words. They've been doing. They've been doing all right, but 
just no room for butchers. Specific outlet. <laughs> oh, sorry. One second. I was just going to go out front and see someone's going. Give me all the turkey legs you got, pal. Oh my God, we're saved. Yeah, the Viking Raiders are backstage celebrating, saying all oh, the turkey legs are on me. Where Big George walks with AJ Styles eating a turkey leg, and Styles says, hmm, "Viking, are you? Hmm, what were you doing before?" Uh, no, he uh, says, a bit far-fetched, thinking you're a Viking. You wouldn't catch me believing some outrageous theory that has no basis in real life. Um, <laughs> uh, he said, you're fake, violent, you're fake Vikings, you're fake violent. And Eric went, hey, you be careful. I like being a Viking. And I almost ate some turkey leg and walked off. Brilliant. Oscar-worthy stuff, this, Sidge. Yeah, no, come on, go to the next thing. I preferred it when you were an experience because I'm not a member of the raid community. <laughs> Jeff's goo shot, Wilvon. <laughs> Jeff's goo. I was thinking of Jeff Bitch from Phoenix Knights, the alternative comic. <laughs> Moved to Florida. Working in goo now. <laughs> right. Come on. <laughs> Elias. Elias is in the ring. That's good. Yeah, thank God, I'm so happy. Oh, God, you can tell sometimes when I want these boys to skip something because I leave a massive pause once I introduce it. And basically, he said, not sure about this Jackson Riker bloke. He's a bit unhinged, isn't he? Uh, I, I don't know what this storyline is. I don't even want to go near it. Anyway, Riker's had a haircut and trimmed his beard a bit. They had a match, and Riker won by count out. Keep it now because he's winning the case in a month, so we're going to see plenty of him. <laughs> Look at his biceps. Also, have you seen the, the clip of the one with the big bit of spit old born out of his mouth? <laughs> <laughs> oh, like oh my god. Dribbled all over the belt. I'll put it, I'll put it underneath the the, the if I can find it, because I can't find this bloody lily teeth theory. I genuinely thought I've I've maybe just dreamt it, but regardless, it's so feasible by this moment in time with, with the mutants online that maybe they just deleted it. But regardless. Oh, thank God. Enough of all this. Now time for this. It's short. It's crap. It's wrestling related. The five star review review. Nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) This week's five star review review is brought to you by apologies in advance. Oz Pagliacci. Thank you, Oz. Sorry for, for probably butchering your surname there. If you want to suggest a five-star review review, something short crap and wrestling related, subscribe to What Culture Wrestling and leave us a five-star review, just like Oz did. Uh, Oz writes, Hello, last time I got really happy when you guys reviewed my five-star review review nominee, and I got double happy because I finally got a full-time job that same day. Congratulations, Oz. Uh, anyway, enough melodrama. Welcome to the best part of the Raw Review podcast, where the actual review of the bollocks that they come up with is not important, but rather something less crappy that happened years ago. And if this week's Raw is actually decent, this mail will come back to haunt me. I think you're always going to be on right, all right on that stage, Oz. Uh, speaking of things that come back to haunt you, though, I'd like to nominate the Triple H tweet promo. I know Cedric and Hamphlet have some comments on this, and it has not aged well. Take care, uh, take care guys, and keep supporting Yes, business. Love from Paraguay. <laughs> Thank you, Oz, for that. Um, Sige, this is very, very close to your heart. Give us the, the backstory to it all. 
of Mr. Detail was the title vacated by Daniel Bryan and held in held in a fatal four way at Aye. Battleground. Won by John Cena, obviously. Won by John Cena. So what happened was the Indy Darling forced into cruel hiatus with um, just a spate of injuries. And the new dawn of Cesaro winning a battle royal and Daniel Bryan getting pushed because you because you asked for it and they didn't really want to give you it. Some new dawn that was. And it wasn't, in fact, a new dawn because John Cena captures the title at the expense of Roman Reigns, Kane, and the authorities, Randy Orton. Kane, for Christ's sake. Yeah, of course. He's, he's littered. He is littered in these fatal four ways and triple threats across WWE's main event scene for years and years and years. I'm telling you, Papa John's reckoning was coming long before Raw got this bad. So there was a bit of a backlash online where everyone thought, same old, same old, John Cena, so much for our bloody thing. So there was a bit of an air of defiance in the air when people actually still gave a toss, which they don't now, which we've covered quite emphatically. So Triple H comes out on Raw, and in this bizarre meta development, which is within the bizarre meta development that is basically the authority all but acknowledging that WWE is rampantly unpopular, but we're the face of it. It's honestly, what a cell phone of a storyline all this was, particularly when they didn't even want to put Brian over at the end of it. So what was it for? They're just basically admitting they're rubbish and spiteful for no reason. And Triple H, in a promo, decides to channel and embody this fan fury in character to complain that his guy didn't win. So what he's basically doing is saying that every outcome possible was bad. <laughs> Every outcome possible to this match was bad. Now, I, I haven't written down the entire promo he did at the start of that rule because it was in the time on a tradition. Yeah, it was 20 minutes. He, he came out, he cut a promo, and then I think Randy interrupted him. Then I think Kane interrupted him, and then probably some other bollocks happened. I, I got I lost interest at that point. But this is the bit, this is the key part that everyone always talks about, of course. Triple H says, Now I'll admit, I'm mad. I am very, I don't know why he starts shouting at this point. I am very mad today. I am madder than I have ever been in a long time, but I have options on how I handle this. You know why he's doing He's he's doing the voice of the the people that they hate, i.e. each and every one of you. Yeah. You know what I'm going to do about it? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tweet my displeasure. My displeasure, Richard Fleer. (laughs) <laughs> that's right i'm gonna jump I'm gonna jump on social media and i'm gonna tweet about it until my fingers bleed i might even send an instagram or a vine you know it's funny you know what's so funny about this right an instagram doesn't make any sense it fails to grasp young people's uh way of speaking and the the tools that young people use to express themselves. You know what's actually a funnier joke than Triple H pretending not to understand the young demographic? That's a funnier joke than that. Triple H actually failing to understand the young person's demographic and losing a ratings war in humiliating fashion. The complete and utter tip. It's funny as well, because I actually did send him a vine after watching this. It was just me in front of a mirror going, I hate you, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to stop hating you, bitch. <laughs> Didn't say send a tout. Weird that. Uh, 
Triple H and uh, Shawn Michaels. Two guys chilling in a hot tub. It's <laughs> not. I'm not. <laughs> Imagine WWE like having that deal with Tau. It'd be the first time that like Vince McMahon stood, understood something more than Triple H. Triple H like, you got to get your message out in thirty seconds. Use <laughs> that. Oh God. He said, uh, "That's right." And on that tweet, wrong, corrects himself. In that tweet, there we go, there we go. You've got there, Paul. You know, however many characters I get, public knowledge, everyone knows at that point, but regardless, okay, 140, but whatever. And however many characters I get, I am going to threaten. That's right. If I don't get what I want, I'm going to riot. And if that doesn't work, then by God... Me and my friend, Mark. <laughs> Some people genuinely in the comments going, do you reckon he, uh, he <laughs> said Mark? Did he coin it? Is that why they call him Mark? Someone I saw, so I, didn't, I didn't copy this comment, but someone said something like, huh, what, 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 what irony. He could have said his friend Jeff, but he said Mark. <laughs> Get a brain, for God's sake. Anyway, him and his friend Mark are going to stop watching. Sige, save it. We'll get into the comments. Don't worry. That's right. Oh, hell, I have options. He sort of forgets what he's doing here now because he sort of goes back into the authority character. I could just fire everybody back there. And he points backstage or he points at the audience next. He says, I'll fire all of you. Maybe I'll just throw you out of the building, throw you out in the weather. <laughs> what? <laughs> Do you not know what the weather's like outside? The weather. Yeah, throw you out in the weather. Hot, cold, who cares? Um, that'll end all my problems, right? Or you know what? <laughs> Gets a smug old smirk on his face. I could just relax. I could relax knowing that sooner or later, I always win. Did he win, Sid? No. Because you know what happened to you? Not only did Mark, in fact, stop watching, so did Aaron... So did Abigail. So did Adele. All the way down to Zeke. <laughs> because millions over the years were hemorrhaged by this exact bollocks. It's just so funny to me. I've never it, known a show. He alludes in this promo to there being a plan and, you know, there is a plan and we are the authority and we've got a plan. Right, that plan was, God damn it, seen as a transitional champion. You marks wouldn't know about that because you don't have the book. Well, I've got the book. And in front of me, written on this book, you marks, is that John Cena who you complain about now is a transitional champion. What we're going to do is we're going to transition it back over to Brock Lesnar. We're going to build him as this invincible beast. And then your hero, Roman Reigns, is going to dethrone him for the title. Well, none of that happened because you can't <laughs> book. Rip up that book, Triple H, and get the hell out of this business. <laughs> I've never known a show go, go on, stop watching. Like, <laughs> I know. How about your thoughts? Uh, the, um, in the review request, the comment was made like, oh, this hasn't aged well. Like, I was in my 20s when this happened. Look at the state of me now, and I've aged better than this promo. Like, I just, yeah, like to kind of 
put on, like to add to your point there, there was a there was a cockiness to this, which why if it hadn't happened already, and you know, false dawn after false dawn after false dawn in the early 2010s, the indie boom was as much to do with stuff like this as anything else. Like indie wrestling, like major billionaire promoters say that wrestling is cyclical. I don't actually buy that. The people just want to watch good shows and will pay and invest when the show's good. Indie wrestling is cyclical because often the success of that is a response to what the mainstream is offering. Um, so, you know, like Triple H was right in a way. Like people did just keep watching regardless. They just didn't watch WWE. They went out and they discovered a load of prodigious indie talents, enough of which came together and formed an opposition. So, like, it's worked out great in the end. Um, I, I like this. I like this. I like um, it's. I like Triple H's arrogance. I love that thing about oh, however many characters. I like the idea of him no selling social media. A bit like how we no sold how people say too sweet now because it's slightly different than how he did twenty years ago. Right. Oh, that, that stuff was never cool, he said to the company that sold the gazillion T-shirts with that specific way of doing it. Like, I, I like him getting his pants pulled down because he's basically worked as hard as he can to avoid that happening as often as possible. And whether it's this, whether it's the Hall of Fame, whether it's The Rock once a week in 1998, 1999, because he just wasn't quick enough, like, I'll never get enough of seeing it happen. Phenomenal entertainment. It's my, it's, that, it's my favourite wrestling moment of all time, this. Yeah, you said you said you knew this basically off by heart as a result. The, but my favorite thing is by displeasure. My favorite thing about all this. We're gonna stop watching. <laughs> well, this is what I was gonna say. As we go to the comment section, as always, they do not reflect these myself, the Dudley Boys, or anyone at What Culture Wrestling. The biggest argument in the comments is whether this is aged like a fine wine, like Chris Aranda, for example, five days ago, right? Or like milk and i'd argue both like his thing of like <laughs> what are you gonna do leave no wait don't leave but also just the beauty of it, this moment in time being captured i know Shawn michaels does this all the time but as a wrestling icon he would have been sat at home staring at his hands wondering what had happened to this industry he once loved when he saw this he knew better. This is once the man that elbowed Triple H and told him to do something twice on camera to make sure he caught it because the big nose bell end had no instincts whatsoever. Uh, I've got a little game as well to play with you today in this comment section. Okay. We've got a comment here six months ago. Hunter Carvalho writes this and the game promo are two of my favorite promos in general. Amazing, right? Ridiculous, obviously, that comment. I can probably think of better promos that people have cut in the last. Month, for example, not on WWE, obviously, but still. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, would you two like to guess what avatar picture they've got when making this comment? You say Hunter Carvalho, yes, please tell me. It's a Photoshop someone made of Edge Leader, except it's Tony Khan's face on edges and mine on liters. It's not <laughs> composite it's not... of footballer together, huh? Composite of the wrestler and the footballer together. Oh, that's a very good guess. You, you, you're thinking far too far outside of the box here. Go, go, route one. The Fiend. Correct, Michael <laughs> Edwards. I mean, you don't win anything because it's the hellscape that we live in right now, but you, you, you win something. Uh, okay, Magma Lord 360. 
five months ago, right? So 2021, right? <laughs> I love Triple H. Sounds like he's addressing Ryback and CM Junk. <laughs> right, and uh, Sage, I, I, I want to get your thoughts on this because I, I, I never understand this argument when I see it online. I have not picked a side. I just want good wrestling, as, as Hamlet and you often talk about in terms of whether it's WWE, AW, New Japan, MLW, AAA, whatever, Impact, whatever it is, just be good, right? TD writes, uh, from 5.1 to 1.5, get rid of Vince. It's been like three to four years since I've watched Raw and don't miss it all. They're pathetic, right? And then Caden Wilson replies, damn, I didn't know that pathetic. <laughs> damn, I didn't know that pathetic means better than you in every way. <laughs> and this, this is the encapsulation of what I want you to briefly talk about, Asage. Uh, Malgaluvo writes, <laughs> they've got record profits, lol. WWE will be around long after your children. Zing. Like, what is that as a comeback? I don't get it. Like, huh? I think you've got it wrong because they're making record profits. Do you watch? What's... I'm trying to phrase this right. What's your favourite um, Nick Khan match? <laughs> is it those classics... With um, AJ Styles on Monday Night Raw. What's your favourite Nick Khan match? Because he's the biggest draw in wrestling, but he doesn't provide you any entertainment value out of it. Like, it's just rank tribalism expressed by the people who have the temerity to say that the wrestling media is biased. It's like, come on, do you not think? But no, because you're incapable of thought, so you don't. See, what's your favourite Nick Khan match, Amphlet? Uh, I really like that hold he grabbed in that press conference where he just started talking about how Vince McMahon has, gui has given him guidance on what this company is and it ain't a wrestling company. I thought, well, wait a minute. What, are you what, the, what the hell have I been watching all these years then? And then we had another Lily segment at the end of a row. Do you know what my favourite thing to do when I'm not talking about wrestling with you boys is to go down to my local shop and walk in and go... Jeff Bezos just bought a boat for his boat and then flip him off and leave. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't, I can't get in that head. But anyway, let's conclude uh, with a comment from Wild Sid just to, to give us a smile after this depressing moment in wrestling history. Wild Sid just writes, hey, don't diss Twitter. Twitter got boobs on it. <laughs> Which it does. It does got boobs on it. WWE porn. That's regularly in my mention. Why? Research. Uh, right, okay. <laughs> Thanks once again to uh, Oz Pagliacci. Hope I've not butchered your surname too much yeah. there for suggesting yeah. that. Subscribe to What Culture Wrestling. Leave us a five-star review review and suggest something short, crap, and wrestling-related for us to review. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Right, let's get back to Monday Night Raw, because next... We had the contract signing. It was time for them to sign the contract for Hell in a Cell, the WWE Championship match. Um, McIntyre had come out, was topless, just sat there waiting there. Bobby Lassie's music hit, nothing happened. McIntyre said, uh, I don't know what he's pissing about at, basically. It referenced the hoe train effectively with his parade of women that he's got. Uh, He said, look, I can just tell you what Bobby Lashley's going to say. He's going to say, I've had too many opportunities uh, blah 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 he talked about Robert the Bruce for a bit talked about a spider that tried and tried and tried again never give up etc cetera, etc cetera. he's about to sign the top contract and then MVP Lashley and his harem of women show up on the screen and they say don't worry we're here. we're just fashionably late and they come out MVP says well, congratulations Drew on manipulate manipulating your way into another shot uh uh, joked about not getting fined or suspended by Postman Pierce. And then Lashley said, if I win this match, you should never get another title match. I think he meant whenever he's champion, not just ever, because let's be honest, let's never rule that out. Uh, McIntyre accepted as long as Lashley was champion, he wouldn't get another shot. But he said, I don't want anyone to interfere. I didn't want anyone losing the match for me. I want... Hell, hell. Uh, Lassie accepts. They sort of amend the contract, add the stipulations. Uh, and Lassie said, Hey, you didn't finish your story earlier about Robert the Bruce because that story ends with you losing. Yeah. I don't <laughs> know. Uh, McIntyre said, Look, I've wrestled inside Hell in a Cell. I fell 15 foot off the top of the cell. I'm willing to do it again if it means getting the title back. You should pray. Regardless of what you believe in, I'm going to give you mercy in the form of a claymore. Lashley smiled and said, I'm going to win at Hell in a Cell. And you think, oh, my God, they're going to come to blows. Now Drew McIntyre pulled his sword out and cut the table in half. (laughs) Cardinal sin committed in this segment. Cardinal pro wrestling sin. Never, ever talk about another event, something else going on 
that is potentially more exciting than the thing you're involved in because people will only think about that instead of think about the program that you're supposed to be selling. When Drew McIntyre mentioned how Robert the Bruce was stuck in a cave for three months, all I could think about was how nice it would have been to have been stuck in a cave for three months rather than watching this angle. And I was lost then. Emotionally, I was taken out at the moment because I just thought, oh, imagine just getting to stare at that spider trying to craft a web for three months. Instead of watching Bobby Lashley beat Drew McIntyre and Drew McIntyre whinge and bitch and complain. What a lovely, relaxing, chilled three months. Imagine the podcast we could have done. Like, the weekly web review. How's the spider getting on? Not so great, but like, I really admire the effort. I think there's like a long-term goal here. Telling a hell of a story for when he finally completes that web. Like, what a moment that is going to be. What a payoff we're going to get. But no, Muggins here. We've sat and we've reviewed this god-awful frigging angle. A man has literally lost his job in the time that this angle has taken place, despite being a central figure in it at one point. Uh, and and he cut the table with a sword. <laughs> what do you want on that? Like, what do you want on that, Will Vaughn? You're the podcast host. He cut a table with a sword. <laughs> In the same promo that Drew McIntyre said, I want a Hell in a Cell match specifically so there could be no meddling, no interference, etc., etc. He said, I'm willing to escape the structure that I've picked because it can't be escaped and fall off it. (laughs) (laughs) Is it true? Which is it? (laughs) What's next? Uh, next is Nikki Cross being interviewed backstage by Sarah Schreiber. She said, I've got a partner ready for tonight. She's uh, thrilled to have her as a, as a teammate. She's a superhero. Nobody's ready for her. It's Asuka. And they do the nobody's ready stuff. Uh, right. Up next is, we can't use a second skip here, lads. So I'm sorry. But Ricochet versus Humberto Carrillo. Sheamus walks out. We called this on the preview yesterday, Hamlet. Mask stuff. He's got a mask on. He's, to be fair, like he's got those two black eyes because of what's happened with his nose getting smashed in by Humberto Carrillo. Uh, he's not only that, but he's got a bandage like across his nose. It's like dashing Cody Rhodes, but also a bit of the Yeti, basically. Um, <laughs> they replayed what happened, not only with him getting his face smashed in, but getting pinned by both of these bloody goobers because of their interference. He's complaining, he's cutting a promo about them and they both go, Whoa! and almost dive on him and he, craps his pants and then ricochet the baby face that he has attacks on Berto Korea from behind before the match can begin because he's staring at Sheamus and you know they have an enjoyable match but I'm not going to talk about it they're two incredibly talented individuals but they're idiots because ricochet gave Korea a Spanish fly off the apron after about six minutes and neither of them could answer the count of ten and Sheamus laughed at them and left and if this is a backdoor to like well they, they neither of them won but neither of them lost it's a, it's somehow got even worse, Sige, because at least when you have, you know, I know AEW this to excuse an injury and blah, blah, blah. But regardless of whether AEW or WWE do it, at least when like Bobby Lashley got involved and went, aha, neither of them have won. So you can't give them the title match. At least they're involved. It's not just two idiots trying to do some flippy bollocks, getting injured and then going, oh, can't make it in the ring. Because, yeah, Sheamus shouldn't have to face either of them. Losers on top of losers on top of losers, and they're both baby faces. Like every baby face on this show, every heel on this show is working a heel, it seems like. Or every baby face on the show is an entitled, entitled geek loser. 
those are my only comments on a match that would be very good in any other company. I like how you would get a match like Ricochet versus Humberto Carrillo. Rotate five or six of those guys. The ones that were in that shot that time when Bobby Lashley went backstage and they were all there. Um, and like they'll wrestle on main event or something. And then somebody well-meaning will tweet, look at this on main event. And then there's about 300 replies saying, I can't believe this is not on Raw. And it's like, well, just watch main event because you'll get Ricochet versus Humberto Carrillo. You'll get a finish. Nobody's watching internally. So just you'll probably get a better match than what you could get here because they won't be but like complete dweebs. Just don't wish for them to get to Raw because this is what happens when they get to Raw. If you're that desperate for Milk Toast, Capital G, Capital W, Great Wrestling, it's there for you every week on main event. Watch that instead. Um, and Seamus' mask, it's it's an old trick. It's an old trope. It's fine. Um, but I was I couldn't help but laugh at something I saw online where it was Seamus in his mask, another couple of shots of him, because his body bruises well, doesn't it? Covered in like kendo stick marks around the front, chop marks around the, sorry, kind of sticks around the back, chop marks around the front, whatever it was. Um, and it was like all kind of clinging on to that soldier boy stuff. <laughs> Trying to tell Seamus that wrestling's fake. Okay, wrestling's fake. Shouldn't <laughs> be getting hurt. Wouldn't happen if you'd have fought Brett, literally, ever. <laughs> like the best wrestling shouldn't injure people. Stop championing people getting hurt. <laughs> Right, before we get to the uh, main event and the little green ghouls. Uh, we had a backstage segment with MVP. Oh, backstage segment with uh, MVP and Kofi Kingston, which was quite good, to be fair. Uh, MVP approaches the New Day. Uh, he wants to have a quick word with Kofi Kingston. Woods goes into the locker room. MVP says, oh, I'm a fan of yours. I cried tears of joy seeing uh, seeing you win the title of WrestleMania, which, as we all know, judging by social media, is true. Um, seeing Kingston with his sons in the ring, that's what inspired MVP to return to WWE. He said, Kofi Mania was everything. And then it just ended, basically. And it ended because of wasn't it? But it actually ended because he wasn't Bobby Lashley, you see. Um, there was a glimpse of that championship level Kofi Kingston last week, but that went away when he shook McIntyre's hand after the match. It looks like Kingston is just content being a loser, content shucking and jiving with his friends. And Kingston said, hey, watch your mouth. I don't want your advice. My family and friends are all my motivation that I need. There's a kid watching this show right now who believes in me. Uh, and, and that's because, oh, sorry, believes in themselves because they watch me. That's why I do this. Lashley only does it for money. MVP says, no, nah, I disagree. Lashley did this for the honor, uh, the prestige and the coutrement that comes with being WWE champion. And he left. Intriguing. This is Kofi Kingston about to join the Hurt business, Michael Hamlet. Probably not. But this was, like, remarkably not that rubbish. Hmm. I don't have a great deal of faith in the process and where any of this ends other than, like, endless rematches on Raw between Lashley and Kingston when Lashley's lost the belt or something like that, you know, maybe something for SummerSlam. Um, but, yeah, this, this wasn't rubbish. Kofi has been involved in this feud with RK Bro, but at the same time, because he is a real human being and sometimes we get pulled in several different directions at once found himself like nearly getting a shot at the WWE title that has brought him back into MVP's orbit. MVP has spoken about this before his in character disdain for the new day. So that's not a brand new thing that they just magicked out of nowhere. Um, and we've seen MVP recruit in the past. That's sort of his deal. Um, 
and he deemed the last recruits surplus. So off they went. And it would, I guess, like make sense that he would look to somebody that he'd once looked up to that he's now less keen on trying to get in the head. Yeah, like I, I absolutely didn't hate this, but you just have to give your praise at arm's length because I feel like this just ends in 14 Kofi Kingston Bobby Lashley matches. <laughs> It'll be like the any any semblance of joy you might get over this will be beaten out of you by the end. But like as a week one thing, quite like this. Hamlet described it as remarkably not awful. I'm going to describe it as cruelly good because <laughs> I really like the premise. I really like the promo delivery. I really like the idea of a well-crafted storyline in which Kofi Kingston totally gets away from this horribly dated New Day aesthetic, dons a suit, eventually realises it's absolutely not him, batters Bobby Lashley, tears off the suit and sets up a match for SummerSlam. There's there's a storyline here. I've literally just said what it is in 20 seconds. Are we going to get it? Probably not. But we might... Cruelly good. Uh, then Corey Graves practically ripped his cock off because even Marie's uh, returning next week. The evolution begins on Raw. So that gives us a bullet point to discuss in the preview, I suppose. Uh, and then we saw... <laughs> this afternoon when we record it. <laughs> and we saw uh, Mansoor. Uh, up for a circuit breaker. Just four weeks of literally nothing happens. The world turns off. <laughs> Mansoor was bulking up backstage. He was approached by Mustafa Ali, who asked if he was ready to face Drew Gulak. Mansoor said he was. And Ali said, oh, I'm not too sure. Gulak's a dangerous man. He's going to cut every corner to win. Also, he got a rose shoved up his ass the other week. Didn't mention that. Um, said not everyone plays by his rules. And that led to a match a little bit later on. Before that, though, Cedric Alexander had a match with Jeff Hardy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Why have I been watching Cedric and... Alexander and Shelton Benjamin have a feud that went 50-50 virtually if neither of them are as good or as important, apparently, as the, the guy who's been languishing on main event. Like, literally, he's been having matches with Jinder on main event. Where's Jinder? Where's Angel Garza? Now they mentioned the rules. Where's Vink? Where's Vink? <laughs> who's Vink? <laughs> where's Jinder? Where's Garza? Where's Mansoor going to be in a week? Why am I watching the show, Paul? Why would I watch the show? <laughs> Hardy, they cut inset promos as they were coming to the ring. Hardy said this locker room used to be filled with respect, but now it's full like with inflated egos, like Cedric Alexander. And he's going to can we get sorry, Jeff, can we get the word extreme somewhere in that promo? Oh, I've already written it. Can you just put like one of those arrows above and just write it like before a word? I suppose. Alexander would extremely learn the respect. Alexander said in his that Raw needed a breath of fresh air and he planned on wiping the floor with the former great. Then he lost because he was taunting Jeff uh, before going off the middle rope. Hardy booted him, twist of fate, swan top bomb, one, two, three. Hamlet, anything to say? Five minute match where the whole story is that the old guy can't keep up with the young guy and the old guy wins. How, how how do they do it? Like, I do not know how they do it. Poor Jeff Hardy. I just can't. He's got that hobbling quality where it just pains him to look like he's doing this. Um, fair play to Cedric Alexander because he kind of obscured how knackered Jeff Hardy is 
he kind of worked well to get on his wavelength. I'm always impressed with a performance like that, but uh, <laughs> why have I been watching them two feet? Uh, good news, ladies and gentlemen. I've found the Jackson Riker dribble photo. I'm just sending it to the boys. I'll put it on the uh, the tweet uh, when the raw review comes out. Because, lads, can you give us a quick review of, of what you <laughs> Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> oh. Yeah, what a pig. <laughs> oh, God. It's like Ben Stiller, Misty. Uh, <laughs> I just love that photo. Genuinely considering making that my new profile picture on Twitter. Landed on one of his neck veins. It's like he's using it as a little estuary. It will be by the time this podcast comes out. I promise it will be all over social media. This, uh, so they have a meeting in the back between Charlotte and Rhea. Uh, and Charlotte went, I've been, I'm a, I've been a champion. You're not, I know you're champion now, but I've been more of a champion. Follow my lead. And Ripley went, Oh, you've walked right into a zinger there. I'll follow you straight to hell. That's what she said. Said I'm champion. Uh, you follow my lead, and then they went out and both lost to Nikki Cross and Asuka. Basically, it's the age-old story. Uh, they just can't get along. These two. Um, she got Ripley gets knocked to the outside. Charlotte goes over, tells her to get up. Ripley shoves Charlotte. Charlotte hits her with a forearm. They they can they can batter Nikki Cross and Asuka if they actually try, but they're too busy bloody fighting with each other. Uh, they they do the thing where it's like, oh, I'm gonna tag you in like this. And she chops uh, Ripley in the chest and then Ripley tags Charlotte in by like patting her on the head or something. Cross, he's trying to fight back in all this, but the far better wrestlers than she is, of course. Um, uh, Charlotte throws Cross into the corner. That's knocked Ripley off the apron. Ripley tags in. Uh, Asker takes control eventually, gets a German suplex, hits a running hip attack. Uh, Cross comes in with a flying crossbody. Charlotte has to come in and break up the cover. Charlotte gets in Ripley's face. They brawl. Charlotte rakes Ripley's eyes. Natural selection. And Cross goes, oh, thanks very much. And pins her. And they celebrate like this is actually means something. I'm flat your head, shaking your head. Fitting five-star review, review today, isn't it? Because, you know, one time that, like, people didn't switch off Paul was uh, Rhea Ripley versus Shayna Baszler in a television main event. <laughs> Only time in your stupid war they switched on. Only time. And look at them now. <laughs> the absolute state of all your pet projects, Paul. <laughs> the absolute state of them. Um, there was no coming back from that promo, let alone this. the idea of this match. That straight to hell thing. Like, Rhea Ripley. I do, I've got like, I've, I remain sympathetic when it comes to Rhea Ripley, she is, oh, is this an insult though, if I say this? I think it is. She's doing her best. <laughs> it's not ideal, is it? Mm-hmm. Um, materials, dross, angles are terrible. Um, nobody knows what her character is still. It's been months. Um, she's the champion and she's the biggest loser of the bunch. She's the champion in a feud where her partner would rather lose a match than help her win. And the actual winners look like dicks throughout, in the setup, in the execution, and in the aftermath. And Rhea Ripley is the biggest dweeb of the lot of them. That Hell in a Cell match, I'm assuming is not going to be in the cell at this point, is going to die on its arse. 
and not in the same way that Rhea and Asuka did because there won't be a crowd there. But like, I don't have the faith that this match can be good in spite of the fact it's Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair because this angle has ruined what might have remained of that good match. They, their WrestleMania opener was in the performance center. And remember how awful that atmosphere was. And like, I quite enjoyed that match. Mm. It, like grafted for something good there. This hasn't got a chance with somebody pressing pop.wav. I realise, Sige, that, you know, WWE thinks we've got memories of goldfish because they have to go, like, in case you forgot 10 minutes ago, Drew McIntyre cut a table in half, but it, so here's a replay for you. But And I don't want to cover old ground too much here, but it was such an open goal of like, oh, okay, we do we do the, the match at WrestleMania for whatever, you know, Charlotte, for whatever reasons, not involved in it. Let's just do Rhea, beats Asuka. Uh, it's a bit convoluted. Then we can have the triple threat. Fine. You have her beat Asuka, whether or not Charlotte does all the work or not. And then you go, Charlotte goes, well, you never beat me. You definitely didn't beat me when I beat you. You know, it's about her righting the wrongs of WrestleMania the previous year. And yet they've just got, I don't know what, why they go, no, 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 don't use that. We're going to do this where they're both utterly unbearable. And that'll be good because question mark. I don't get it, Sige. I say this every single podcast. Vince McMahon is an awful human being with awful values onto which he projects his performers. And he just doesn't know because he's not a nice man. He doesn't... Is the Mansoor thing after this? Uh, yes, briefly, we had Alexa promising that the playground would be a real scream. And then we got Mansoor versus Drew Gulak. Yeah, what happens at the end of Mansoor and Drew Gulak? Uh, he almost gets pinned by Gulak going for the tights uh, and then counters it and uh, cradles him and gets a pinfall victory and runs off. He runs away on the ramp. Like, this is just, this, there was no good. And this is an objective thing. People's mileage can vary on the quality depending on how thick they are, right? There's actually no good. There are no good people on this show. Like, they are all horrible people on this show. So that's that's why you get something like Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair. There is no good. There's literally no good on this show. As a famous man once said, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become an unbearable knobhead. Okay. <laughs> uh, Riddle won't shut the f*** up. Uh, Orton lets him unlock his mouth. Riddle shields for Burger King for about two minutes. Uh, talks about being road buddies. Orton makes him shut up again and throws the key in the garbage, Sidgwick. <laughs> I genuinely don't know if this is frozen or if he hasn't. He just doesn't want to say anything. As a grown man, he can just open his mouth if he wants. Actually, Hamlet just put that down for notes. If we're running out of bullet points for next week's preview. Where will Orton put the key this week? Uh, an exclamation mark. Like, imagine the documentary series on this era of WWE, like whereas once it was uh, Alundra Blaze taking the title to Nitro, it's going to be like, WWE were getting increasingly worried that Matt Riddle was going to take his invisible key to AEW Dynamite and throw it in the trash, like what happened on Monday Night Raw. <laughs> this was a war. Uh, then we got Kofi Kingston versus Riddle, an enjoyable match. Um, there's a bit botch somewhere in here, but for the most part, I really quite enjoyed this. Um it started out with, with oh, yeah, because uh, Riddle had said, oh, I hope you come out to ringside to support me, Orton. And he just didn't, and then did t- 
two minutes into the match because Xavier Woods was playing the bloody trombone or whatever. Um, midway through this, Kingston drops, kicks Riddle to the outside. Orton gives Woods a backdrop onto the table and then Kingston wipes out both of them with one of those trust falls. They're getting back into the ring later on, uh, much later on in the match. Uh, Riddle catches Kingston getting back in, looks at Orton, hits him with a draping DDT, sets up to hit an RKO with all the pomp and ceremony that Orton does just as he's about to miss an RKO. And guess what? Yeah, Riddle didn't hit the RKO. Uh, Kingston ducked, trouble in paradise. Uh, oh, no, sorry. Riddle ducked to trouble in paradise. And then uh, Riddle went for a bro, Derek. Kingston slipped out. And then hit the trouble in paradise for the one, two, three. A fine match. Certainly better than what was about to come in the main event, Hamlet. Yeah. Um, fine is about right. It's uh, It wasn't as good as the Riddle-Woods match. Matt Riddle has become the... Uh, like Sheamus must have passed his powers on him at WrestleMania, where he becomes like the Thunderdome workhorse because he like finds ways to make these overly formulaic matches entertaining like the worst possible atmosphere of the Thunderdome like broadly entertaining but like this was this was good and yet it wasn't as good as most matches on an NXT that lost a wrestling war or it wasn't as good as one of the matches on Dynamite last week that most people said was the worst Dynamite ever like it wasn't as good as either of those so it's like wasn't as good as those main event matches people celebrate and say it should be on Raw. So it was it was fine, but that's not Gandafter. I mean, I don't even know if I like the storytelling element. Isn't the idea that RKO want to be a tag team? Shouldn't they be like complementing each other? Why is Riddle just wrestling like Randy Orton now? What a waste of time. You know what I mean? I just don't get that storyline beat in terms of how it makes them a better tag team or how it makes me more interested in Riddle. I just don't get it. Um, Action-wise, some really decent stuff in here. But as I put it on Twitter, it's like a good match on Raw is if you score a consolation when you're getting twatted 6-0. <laughs> don't cheer that. I remember, right, um, Derby County. I'm not saying this just for you, Hamlet. Yous are actually statistically worse than that Derby County side, aren't you? No, they broke our record. Did they? We were the worst. Then we broke our own record to be the first and second worst. And then Derby broke both of those the next year. Taking ah. that away forever. Well, they are, if not the very worst, one of the worst Premier League sides of all time. Derby County, we're talking 2007 and eight or something like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they get four points off my beloved Newcastle because, of course, it's just one of those cosmic jokes. And um, at St. James's Park, the draw, the one point, uh, we get 2-2. I've been down 2-1. And I go up and go, oh, yes. And I'm made right in the ribs. Come on, have some self-respect. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's good that we're getting a point in the grand scheme of things, but come on. I was like, all right, okay. Um you don't cheer a consolation goal when he's 6-0 down. Mm. Why would you do that? It doesn't feel good. It doesn't mean that um, your tactics are working. It means you've got a good player who had an individual moment of brilliance. You don't go into the next week thinking, oh, Christ, okay, well, he's going to score six. It, a good match on this show means nothing to me. And the Thunderdome makes them virtually impossible to like, regardless 
Um, what's the main event, Will Ball? <laughs> I just think the, the conclusion to all this should be, you know, what them like copying each other and stealing things and showing that oh, they've got a bit of a connection there. I think in the in the climactic tag team title match, Riddle beating down, beating down, beating down, gets the corner, holds out his hand. Randy touches it and he freezes. And he looks down at his hand and there's this like sticky liquid on it. And Riddle just smiles at him and nods. And then that fires Randy up and he throws it in AJ Styles' face. Uh, right, okay. <laughs> Main event time. Made of plastic. Before the main event, sorry, Sid. Before the main event, we've got Nia Jax saying, "I'll be careful. This is the most unpredictable and dangerous I've ever seen." Alexa Bliss, and she said, "I don't care about her or that stupid bloody doll." So she came out. Uh, whilst, hang on one second. I'm just going to unplug something. This is definitely going to set it off. So. Alexa Bliss is chatting to the doll in the ring. Baszler interrupts and flips over a toy horse. Oh my God, I forgot about that bit. Yeah, that'll show her. Yeah, yeah, prick. Crowd boo. <laughs> that horse is, is more over than half the roster, apparently. Bliss says to Baszler, you need to apologise to Lily. Baszler says, you're delusional. You're the reason uh, for what happened with the tag titles and Reginald and what have you. And Bliss went, <laughs> I'd never do such a thing. <laughs> oh, um, Bliss can hear Lily talking throughout all this. She's going, oh, what's that? She said, I think you should apologise. And uh, Baszler, get this, Sid, gets the doll, looks at her and says, I am sorry. You're just a stupid doll. Ah, psych, got him. Um, Bliss flips out at takes down, tackles, takes down the former MMA fighter Shayna Baszler, beats her up, chucks her out of the ring. Uh, but, sorry, Baszler fights back, sorry, chucks her out of the ring, I should say. And uh, we get four different camera angles of her standing on a doll. Like, this is the most dramatic thing I've ever seen. Probably. And uh, then the video screens start flickering and cutting out. Baszler goes, oh, I'm not sure about this. Backs away. Pyro, 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 all up the ramp, scaring her into the back. Uh, it's all dark. Oh, I'm swore then. Stuff starts falling from the ceiling onto her. Grace is like, oh, it's so, so spooky, this. Where is everybody? Basically thinking like she's bloody cursed or something. She's trying to leg it. She's, it's just a stupid doll. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. It runs into a back room, locks it, pushes a sofa in front of it. But there's a mirror in there, Michael said. There's a mirror, and the lights flicker, and she looks in the mirror, and suddenly behind her, Lily's there. That's a live <laughs> version for people who can't see on Zoom, that being everyone. Uh, Baszler looks at her and goes, oh, bloody hell, turns around. Don't know Lily there. So she kicks the mirror, shatters it, and then the doll's still there. This, everything goes black. Baszler screams. Thanks for watching Raw, everyone. Uh, again, when Alexa Bliss was talking in this promo exchange, she mentioned the words, little naughty. I mean, a little naughty. The amount of times they put the word little in Alexa Bliss's mouth is disgusting. They want you to masturbate over this cosplay jailbait, you horrible pervert. 
just I thought you'd like you, you need to know how vile you are. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't really have words. I don't think for this. Like again, if you're gonna do it, sell it. Our physical understanding of the world is being transformed before our very eyes on this TV show. And uh, that's a bit weird, this. <laughs> a bit weird, it's a bit strange. Like, what? It's... I don't know what to say. It's, it's like trying to describe... What's so funny about a joke or what's so funny about a certain voice someone might do in your friendship group? You know what I mean? It's like you can't articulate. It's just something that is funny for whatever reason. Um, To articulate why you fancy certain people or whatever, it's just you can't. There are no words to describe something like this. It's just awful and it's so apparently awful that there are no words. It's like describing what's so funny about the Simpsons joke. It's just, it's just funny, isn't it? Like, it's, what's so awful about this? Well, look at it. You know, I can't make a joke about it that is more scathing than the actual scene itself. Mm. And I'm, people are on Twitter, and I really appreciate our followers and the community we've built up. And they've been, some of them have been expressing the fact that they're looking forward to us burying this and I can't just look at it. <laughs> it buries itself. Yeah. Like- it's a doll on a wrestling show who's supernaturally imbued with the powers to terrorize a former MMA fighter who should not be booked like this, probably. This is warrior in the mirror to hogan but it's in doll it's worse oh it's worse it's like it's worse than everything take that comparison if you want but take every other one too it's worse than everything um like yeah completely echo sidrick's point there unlike lily this stuff speaks for itself you can only watch it and revel in how awful it is and then just try and like be the goldfish that they want you to be and erase it from your mind and pretend it's never happened so that you somehow find it in you to tune in next week. That's what they want. Otherwise, they wouldn't make television this bad. You know, that's that. It, it is meaningless in the moment as it's happening. It's It immunizes itself from people ripping the piss out of it because it's just so bad on its own terms. That you, like, you need opposing forces. You need to find something good to contrast against this as, to explain as to why it's so bad. And you can't because there's just no redeeming features to this whatsoever. <laughs> Shayna Baszler. Uh, I don't know why I'm isolating it. All of this was awful. So if I isolate one bit, I almost suggested a bit of it was better. It, it wasn't, I promise you. But this was just a bit that made me laugh. She barricades the door with a sofa while being filmed by an invisible camera. Mm. Like, imagine her stacking up five sofas and then saying, oh, Jesus, what are you doing here? <laughs> but I was alone in here. It, yeah. By criticising that specific bit, it must be thought that, like, no one hadn't quite liked the rest. He just thought that uh, he couldn't suspend his disbelief at that bit. Like, the disbelief was never there to be suspended in the first place. Loved, loved WWE, even in this segment, not being able to not do their thing 
of loving it when a wrestler one nils another wrestler, even though it's a doll. I'm sorry. Forever pretending like I cared. Like it's a, it's, that's that's 2-0 to Lily Shana. Sorry. <laughs> like love that. Love that. The only emotion I got out of this ride wasn't who cares about hating it anymore? Who cares even about laughing at it anymore? The only giddy thrill, perverse Schadenfreude, of course, is that by my calculations, it's like the 8th of June. Look at how much they love this Alexa Bliss stuff and they've loved it for a long time. A crowd is going to see it again. Mm. Oh, yeah. Last time, what happened last time? They took shit on it. Like, it's they're going to do stuff like this in front of crowds. You can half understand if you're Vince McMahon in the pandemic and you're thinking, well, this isn't wrestling, it isn't. And I've sold enough tickets to know more than most about that. So let's just do some junk. Let's do some clickbait junk in horror junk. I can halfway understand why they did the things that they did in 2020. I don't know why they're doing this now with crowds. Like, you've got a free hit, man. You've got at least a week before you ruin it. Like... You can go back to whatever it used to constitute as normal now, but the, 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 this is going the, the, the long way. They're going to have Lily in front of a crowd. It's going to be hilarious. Just keep thinking about that. Like My second jab, right, I know that there is certain recent terrifying data that the second jab in terms of the, in the face of the Delta variant is all the more important. So yes, I'm obviously looking forward to that more than most things in my life, but also Lily in front of a crowd. Like, mm. I'll take my chances. Lily in front of a crowd. It's going to be great. I think Lily's going to scare someone off winning Money in the Bank. I think the light's going to go out, the light's going to come back up and she's going to be swinging off the briefcase or something. Can you imagine anyone being scared of it? Well, I can now because what do we normally do when they try and make the show entertaining? Just loads and loads of pyro and that scared the absolute out of Shayna Baszler. It was nowhere near her and yet like, she was absolutely frightened of what was less than a Kane entrance or an Undertaker entrance. So I'm being asked to like as a member of a potential like live crowd that buys a ticket to this stuff, I'll be asked to think even less of Baszler than I do already. To get this match over, it'll be SummerSlam probably, won't it? Shane Baszler versus Alexa Bliss at SummerSlam. In a stadium of seventy thousand people. <laughs> Fantastic! I can't wait. Um, I, I genuinely want to spend the next month in hibernation. Like Dynamite's gonna be rubbish for two weeks. Not rubbish, but like taped and like, ugh, after double or nothing, you can't go back to that. Raw's raw. Thank God I don't really have to watch SmackDown. I have to keep up with it for that job. But honestly, the next two weeks are going to be rough as arseholes. Like, any house looks crap. Oh, God, you can follow me at M. Sidgwick. <laughs> I don't think you I think you've missed the, the, the crucial thing here, which some people will point out online this morning. Hello, Lily's teeth are made of skulls. That's the big thing people are missing. <laughs> oh my god! <gasps> Lily's haunting Shayna Baszler. That's what it is. Let us know your thoughts on everything we've discussed at What Culture WWE, of course. Follow Michael Sidgwick at, at, at M Sidgwick. Follow Michael Hamflet at Michael Hamflet. 
follow me for Jackson Riker spit stuff at Adam Worldwide. Follow us all at What Culture WWE, as I said, uh, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Got the uh, NXT preview to come later on today, and of course, uh, subscribe to What Culture Wrestling and leave us a five star review to suggest something short, crap, and wrestling later, just like Oz did earlier like triple h's wonderful tweet promo some some great ones keep your suggestions coming though what cool dressing leave us a five-star review on itunes but this has been oh thank god we've made it it's the longest time so we have to do the next one this has been the raw review my thanks to the dadly boys thank you for joining us and we will see you soon hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.